The text for our sermon this morning is the gospel that was just read, and in particular, the question of who is Jesus? What is his identity? Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God, who has no dealings with sin and evil, God himself takes flesh to unite himself with us to save us. The local watering hole, that's where we find Jesus this morning, This phrase can be a literal place of water, like in our reading, or it can be a number of things. Bars have affectionately been known as the local watering hole, but also coffee shops, convenience stores, wherever people gather to get what is most important to them, where they spend time, a place to go where you get what you want. Now, if you want to sound hip and cool, sound with the times, you can even describe virtual reality as a local watering hole. Chat rooms where people find companionship, where you actually never really meet the people in person, but just an avatar. Our reading today takes us to Jacob's well, literally a local watering hole. The disciples have left Jesus to go get food and Jesus needs water. So first in this text, one of the lessons we learn, of course, is the scriptures teaching us that Jesus was truly man. Much like the temptation in the wilderness when Jesus was hungry, today, John mentions that Jesus, like any other man, was in need of water. He was true God, but we also see that he was true man in every sense of the word. He experienced many of the difficulties we do. He was human. He knew the struggles of being man. Next, we hear that a woman has arrived at the well, and she has much experience with man. Now, we don't know much about the identity of this woman, just that she's a Samaritan. Some have tried to make a big deal about her coming to the well at an inconvenient time of day, that she's trying to avoid others. But There's really nothing to suggest that she's coming to the well at this time because she's lived a scandalous life or that she's embarrassed. Could very much be like in our day and age today where a scandalous life is almost shown to be a a trophy. Rebelling against the rules of society is celebrated in our day and age, in particular with marriage. So it isn't just, it isn't, specifically something about this woman that we can draw about her from the time of day that she comes to the well. It could be, as we find out later, she's had five husbands. It it could be that all of her husbands have died, that she indeed has been a faithful wife, but all of her husbands died, or, well, we don't know much about her identity. All we know is what we find out in her conversation with Jesus. And that's what the gospel writers by the Holy Spirit want us to know. The question is, what is the identity of Jesus? 
and Jesus asks her for water. But you see this woman, she is also concerned about the identity of this man. Who is he? In fact, it is the manhood of Jesus, her na his nationality as a Jew. That's the problem. How is it that you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for water? This, of course, was unthinkable. As you know, the relationship between Jews and Samaritans was that that makes the Hatfields and McCoys seem like child's play. Jesus answers her in focusing her on, on his identity. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. But you see, it isn't really Jesus' identity as a Jew that is the problem. If you knew who it is that is saying to you. The woman thinks Jesus' identity as a Jew means that he shouldn't have anything to do with her. But really, Jesus is leading her to repentance according to his divine identity. Jesus' humanity, his, his identity as a Jew, it is scandalous to her. But keep in mind, the greater scandal is that God would come to give her something. What is it that she wants? Why does she come to this watering hole? Well, she goes to find the only thing that has been reliable in her life. From the end of the reading, we know she's had a rough life. Marriage, which is supposed to be a lifelong commitment, it's lost its luster in her world. Marriage, in her world, isn't a reliable institution. And on top of that, even, even relationships between Jews and Samaritans, just fellow men and women who live in the same area, who actually have the same father Abraham, they can't even get along. They're at odds with each other and ready to murder one another. The only thing this woman has known to be stable and reliable in her life, as silly as it sounds, is water. She even points this out. Jacob's well, it's always had water. It's never let her down. All the other institutions in life, marriage, relationships, everything else has left her wanting. But she comes to this well because she knows Good old water will always be there for her. But Jesus shoots this down. Jesus doesn't even let this woman have water as a reliable thing. Listen to what he says. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Water is reliable. It's always there. In fact, we put very little thought into it. But Jesus says, even water is going to fail you. There will come a day when not even water can help you. Drinking water, anyway. Water as sort of a symbol of all the things in your life that you've trusted. There will come a day when... All of those things in this life will disappear. The question that we have for ourselves to ponder today, according to this reading, is to what watering hole do you go to?
What is it that in your life you think is so reliable? What is it that you really don't even put much thought into, but you just, you return to it, you just, you just do it? What is the watering hole that is so stable for you? Maybe, maybe it's money. That perhaps it's just, it's always there. It's kind of easy to find. Might not be a lot, but maybe whatever problems you face, maybe you think, if I just have enough money, things will, will be okay. Maybe it's not that you always have money, you just don't even think about it, but maybe you always have a lack of money. Maybe you think God is stingy and is, is holding back from you. Really, it's, it's the same watering hole. What is it that you consider to be so needful or stable in your life that you run to it to find comfort in good times and in bad? This, this is the, the same question the first commandment in the scriptures demands that we ask of ourselves. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. What is it that you look to for comfort in a time of need? That is your God. That is your watering hole. Perhaps it's, perhaps it's your emotions, feeling good, having a good attitude or or just feeling right. Maybe your emotions are your God. That when you feel good, then you feel close to God. In the 80s and 90s, and I guess still somewhat now, well-meaning Christians tried to make churches local watering holes. Trying to attract the local community into the doors of the church, the church tried to become a coffee house, a gym, or a concert venue. In some instances, this, these plans, these ideas worked. People came into the church, but the condition of the Christian church across all denominations today perhaps should cause us to rethink this. Because I don't think I'm overstating it to say that the majority of churches have lost their identity and what true living water is. What is the watering hole that the church should be? Trying to make the church a, a local watering hole by attracting the outside world with what the outside world wants inevitably will lead to a loss of identity, a loss of the living water because if we're unified around something that is not the fount of living water, if we're not unified around who Jesus is and what he gives us, then there can be no true unity. And the church will lose her identity. Our church is not a local watering hole. Because repentance, which is required of the Christian... It's not palatable to unbelievers. Look at, what, look at how Jesus addressed this woman as he found her. Go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband. You've had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The church can be a local watering hole as long as she is calling sinners to repent. 
That's precisely what, this, what Jesus does for the Samaritan woman. She's given up on marriage as an institution. She thinks, what's the use? It's just a piece of paper. It's just the patriarchy trying to hold me down. Whatever arguments she may have had, Jesus says living together with someone and acting as if you're married but you're not, this is an offense to God. And what does our society say now? It's laudable. It's good to try out. You never know. It's not just marriage, though. Yes, today this text deals specifically with marriage and God's God's plan for marriage. But whatever sins you have, whatever wells, watering holes that you go to, that is not Christ, they will let you down. And just as, just as, as the woman was suspicious of Jesus, because Samaritans have no dealings with Jews, could we not also consider this today in light of God and his relationship with us? The living and perfect God has no dealings with sinners. The living and perfect God does not touch sin. He doesn't, he doesn't even expose himself to evil. Evil cannot even stand in the sight of God. Could we not also echo what we hear in our gospel reading? The living and perfect God has no dealings with sinners. But you see, even in our second reading, St. Paul points out that this is the beautiful thing of the gospel, that while we were yet sinners, Christ has died for us. Because you see, God comes in the flesh. He who has no dealings with sin, he who has no way of even evil approaching him, he takes on flesh. And what does he call the woman to do? He calls her to repent. And he calls you to repent as well. Whatever watering hole you return to time and time again, Jesus says, no more. Because it's not only Jesus who's at watering holes. But if you've watched the, the Nature Channel, if you've watched National Geographic enough, you know who else is waiting around watering holes. Predators. Lions prowling around, looking for someone to devour. So turn from your fleshly watering holes. Listen to Jesus' call to repentance. To not use your faith as an excuse to sin, but turn from adultery. Turn from worrying about your watering holes drying up. Turn from thinking that marriage is not important. Jesus, you see, he comes to the watering hole. He comes perhaps to where the predators have overtaken this woman. But he isn't there to take. He's there to give. To give something far more reliable and even ready to quench the thirst of sinners who desire righteousness. Jesus is there to quench her thirst with forgiveness. And that is what he has for you. 
a river of forgiveness, a fount of mercy that will never run out. Because you see, even Jesus is more reliable than good old H2O. His living water is none other than his precious blood poured out on the cross. His life-giving death on the cross where he thirsted for our salvation. Because that's the other place in the scriptures where we are told Jesus was thirsty. And there on the cross, he drank deep of our sins. He swallows the sins of the world. He went to the watering hole where the devil is prowling. Jesus never sinned, yet he allowed himself to be killed. This was done so that your sins cannot drown you. That even the devil himself, he can't touch you. When when even water is not able to save you, when that which has quenched your thirst so reliably your whole life, when that water has lost its ability to quench your thirst, remember that at your baptism, that there is water where you were given a promise. That Christ, he didn't didn't come to you and, and promise to you life just to test the relationship out. Christ doesn't come to you just to live with you. His relationship is not not built on a temporary arrangement. No, Christ, God in the flesh, has given you a promise to stick with you, to stay with you through sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, that not even death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He's brought you into his house, not as a temporary arrangement, as long as the relationship benefits him, but he's promised you a place where you will always be taken care of. The church can, in some sense, be a local watering hole, but only when she's giving the word of God, only when she is calling sinners to repent and to change their lives. Only when she gives Jesus to those who thirst for righteousness. This is worship in spirit and truth. First and foremost, we repent of our sins, then drink of the waters of forgiveness deeply, and especially in the sacrament of the altar, and we do so faithfully. But it doesn't stop here. Notice how Jesus, he did go to the local watering hole. Perhaps you should think about doing the same thing. Now, before you look at your spouse or your kids, look at mom and dad and say, hey, dad, pastor said we need to go to the bar. What I'm saying is that we should be ready to meet people where they're at. We should be ready to speak about the living waters of forgiveness, maybe with people who we think we shouldn't have any dealings with. We should engage with people. We shouldn't just hang around Christians, but perhaps we should be willing to share the gospel with those we meet in the various places of recreation, of work. But most importantly, let your home be a watering hole, a place where the Christian faith is taught, where marriage is honored and upheld 
so that indeed we may go out with confidence, even as this woman did, and speak of the true living water and not be afraid. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.